Uh, we want to encourage you, if you're at a Bible preaching church, we want to encourage you to go back, encourage your pastor, leadership, um, be a real blessing there. If you don't have a church home, if you don't, for whatever reason, maybe you've gotten away from church, never gone, whatever else, uh, we'd love to have you join us. We have about 70 to 90 families um, that meet each week. And uh, we would love to have you. We tell people the first time you come, you're a visitor. After that, we consider you family. So uh, we're just going to treat you accordingly. And so we would love to have you. This morning, I want to share with you a story from the life of Jesus. Um, it may be familiar to you, but I'm hoping that we'll maybe look at it in a little bit different perspective this morning. Um, the story is of Jesus. He's uh, traveling to a place called Galilee. And as he's getting ready to travel, as he's going along, he looks at his disciples and he says, hey guys, I want to take a quick detour. Um, let's go to Samaria. Now, that doesn't seem like a big deal to you or to me, but this is a huge deal because there's a problem. The problem is Jews and Samaritans didn't just not like each other, they hated each other. And they had nothing to do with each other. In fact, it got to the point that in some Jewish circles, they literally would pray to God and the prayer went something like this, God, I thank you that I was not born a Samaritan. Um, Jews didn't help Samaritans, Samaritans didn't help Jews, that's just the way it was. So when Jesus looks at this group and says, hey look, let's stop, let's go through Samaria, um, that was a, they didn't say anything, but they were uncomfortable about this little side venture that Jesus was on. And the text tells us that Jesus was tired. Now what's interesting is it's only noon. So, at this point, because of his, his ministry schedule and everything else, even though it's noon, Jesus is tired. So he looks at the disciples and says, guys, look, you guys go on ahead. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to rest for a little bit. And uh, so Jesus is sitting there. The disciples head on into town. And as Jesus is sitting there by the well, uh, a woman comes up to him, actually, a Samaritan woman. Um, and again, this is unusual. Uh, first of all, for a number of reasons, normally, uh, first of all, getting water every day was normally the task of the women in that culture. And normally they would do it at the beginning of the day before it got too hot. So they would all gather and think of it, think of it in terms of uh, our country concept of coffee shop. You know, you know, your husband goes, yeah, I'm going to go to town and get a cup of coffee. You know as well as I do, they're not getting coffee. They're going to drink a bunch of cups of coffee and they're going to sit around and they're going to yip yap and talk and maybe play cards and, and gossip about everything that's going on. That's what happened in the morning with the women at the well. They would all gather and they would get the water that they were going to need for the day and they'd all touch base and they would all talk and everything else. That was the common thing. So to go at noon was unusual. But you see, this woman had a past. And the problem is when she would show up at noon, she wasn't treated like the other women. People would start saying little snide things about her. People would be talking off of the thing. So to avoid that altogether, she would go at noon when nobody else was there. And so Jesus is sitting there and she comes up. And um, Jesus looks at her and he said, would you give me something to drink? Now, again, this is, this is a shock. Because again, first of all, Jesus is talking to a woman. In this culture, that didn't happen. Um, in this culture, it was an incredibly male-dominated world in which women and men just didn't speak. And men would not approach, especially a strange woman, and say something. Secondly, she's a Samaritan. And Jews don't talk to Samaritans, and Samaritans don't talk to Jews. Third thing is, Jews never help Samaritans, and Samaritans never help Jews. 
So she's shocked. It's like, why are you even talking to me? Why are you even having a discussion with me? Um, and so she's really confused at this point because then Jesus looks at her and he says, look, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for water. And she looks at him and says, what do you mean? You don't have a bucket? You don't have a rope? You don't have a pitcher? How are you going to give me water when you've got nothing to give water with? And so she then gets into this religious discussion that she wants to bring up with Jesus. And that's where I'm going to pick up the story. John chapter 4. Here's what it says. Jesus answered to her and said, if you knew the gift of God and what it is and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him for and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with the well. The well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, and his sons and his flocks and his herds? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks the water that will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give him will become in him a spring of life welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to her, him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming to draw water. And he came back and he told her, go and call your husband and come back. Now, what happens is this woman finally looks at him and says, you know what? All right, if you can give me water so that I don't ever have to come to this well again, I don't ever have to listen to the gossip, I don't ever have to go through the hassle. If you can do that, I'm all in. Give it to me. So Jesus now does something that's incredible. And at first glance, it looks like he's being incredibly mean. But he now looks at this woman and he goes to the deepest, darkest recesses of her life. The one thing that she is most ashamed of, the one thing that she tries to, has tried to hide, and the one reason she's at this well in the, at noon, it's because Jesus looks at her and says, go and get your husband. Now, here's a problem. She was living with a guy. And she had had five husbands. So she'd been divorced five times. And in that culture, women didn't divorce men. Men divorced women. So she had, she had had five guys look at her and say, I don't want anything to do with you. Go away. So now she's living with this guy. And Jesus looks at her and he says, go and get your, go and get your husband. And she says, well, I don't have one. And Jesus said, you're exactly right. You don't have one. You've had five. And the one you're with now, he's not your husband. And all of a sudden now, all of her secrets, all of her past is ripped wide open and exposed. So as she's sitting there and she's getting very uncomfortable, she realizes this is no ordinary stranger that I'm talking to. And again, she jumps right back to religion. And she goes, um, you're a prophet. Anyone, how can you know that about me? This is a God thing. You're a, you're a God person. You're a prophet. And so then again, what does she do? She jumps in. If you read the story, go home and read the story in John chapter 4. What happens next is she looks at him and goes, so since you're a prophet, let's get into religion again. Where do we worship? Because the Samaritans worship one place, the Jews worship another place, and it was a big debate between the two of them on who was right. And she wants immediately to go to that issue. And Jesus says, look, where you worship is not important. Worship is in spirit and in truth. Worship is about a person. It's about following me, not about a place. And all of a sudden, this woman puts her faith and trust in Christ. She goes back to town. 
And as she goes back to town, the disciples come up as she's leaving. And the disciples now, and again, this is what's so amazing in the story. The disciples look at Jesus, God himself in flesh, and go, hey, look, um, we're not going to try to tell you like what to do or anything else, but you shouldn't have been talking to her. We don't talk to those kind of people, Jesus. We're not about those kind of people, Jesus. And, and Jesus is kind of dumbfounded. And then all of a sudden, later in the story, the people from the town come out to see Jesus. And they start listening to Jesus. And they end up following Jesus. And Jesus ends up staying here for two days, minister. So much so, in fact, this woman has such a past that at the end of the story, when the, the whole town has been there for two days and eventually Jesus leaves. The town actually comes to Jesus. The people in town come to Jesus and say, hey, by the way, we want you to know. We believe you and we follow you. Not because of her. They don't want anything to do with her even at that point. We believe because we have listened and we have watched and we have seen. I think there's a ton of things in this passage that teach us an awful lot about Jesus. That teach us a lot about um, God. So I just want to share a few this morning that I think are applicable for us this week. First thing you see in the story is that God cares. The disciples didn't care about the Samaritans. Um, the disciples didn't care about this woman. The disciples didn't care about any of that. But Jesus does. Jesus cares about this small, obscure little place called Samaria. Jesus cares about the people that nobody else, I mean, she had, she was the perfect trifecta. She had everything against her. She's a woman. She's a Samaritan. She has a past that nobody wants to associate with. Check, 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 write her off. But Jesus doesn't. Because one of the things that you learn about Jesus is he, small things, obscure people, People who have been cast off, if you will, in society. People that nobody else wants anything to do with. Those are the people Jesus came to reach. Those are the people he's burdened about. And over and over again in his life and his teaching, you see him constantly dealing with publicans and tax collectors and prostitutes and all of these people that he reaches out to. Because what Jesus is trying to get across is the idea that I don't care about your past. I'm not here about your past. I'm here about your future. And so one of the things that you see in this story is that God cares. I don't know why you came this morning. I'm glad you're here. But here's what you need to understand. God cares. You go, yeah, but you, Pastor, you don't know my past. It doesn't matter. It's not about your past. It's about your future. Yeah, but you, you, you don't understand. You know, I'm afraid that if I ever even walked into a church, God would, God would strike it dead. You know, I'd love to go to church sometime, but I'm afraid if I walk into your church, God will strike it with lightning. When we built the church, we had a steeple, had a big copper rod on the top of it. We've had lightning hit it, melted the rod and everything else. We survived. You'll be okay. You know, I mean, it's not that big a deal. It's like, well, I, you know, I don't have my act all together. It's not about people who have their act together. It's about people who Jesus came to care for and save, and he cares about them. And I'm here to tell you, in the middle of a fairgrounds in, in Iowa, God cares about places. In fact, if you want an interesting study, study the life of Jesus. Jesus spent more time in small, obscure villages and hamlets than he did the big cities. He cares about the small places. He cares about people that 
we tend to overlook. Second thing you see in this thing is that God changes things. In his story, she came for a pot of water. She walked away with eternal life. Um, I don't know why you're here this morning. I don't know if somebody bribed you by food. I don't know if you're just trying to get somebody off your back so you walked in here. It doesn't matter. God brought you here today. And here's what I want you to understand. God can change your life. Ultimately, the town, people from the town come out to see Jesus, and he changes their life as well. That's the amazing thing about God. You say, well, I don't need my life to change. Everything's fine. Everything's fine now. That doesn't mean later on things are not. One of the things I always tell people is I have a front row seat to life. I watch people in their best days. I watch people in their worst. I see people when there's a cancer diagnosis and the progress and the prognosis is not good. I see people when they look at them and say, it looks like we've got all the cancer now and you can go on. I deal with people when children are born and I deal with people standing by their deathbed when they take their last breath. And here's what I will tell you. I have watched people go through difficulties of life with a faith and trust in Christ and I've watched people do it without. You could not give me enough money to do it without my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I have watched them go through some of the most horrendous things in life and still have hope and encouragement and trust in their God. God changes lives. This woman's life was changed. The people in the town that came out to follow Jesus, their life was changed. One of the things that I think is interesting in this story is on two different occasions, she keeps bringing up religion. She wants to make it about religion. Well, where do we worship? Well, you know what? Jacob, our great, 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 great grandfather, he's the one who dug this well. He's the important one. You're telling us you're more important than Jacob? And Jesus keeps shifting away from the religion thing. He said, it's not about religion. It's about a relationship with me. I know everything about you, but I still want a relationship with you. And he kept trying to get that across to her. You know, too many people that we deal with often, they think that church is about everybody who's got their act together. I'm here to tell you, we don't have our act together. We have about 200 plus people gather every week. We gather together. We encourage one another. We pray for one another. We laugh. We cry. We walk through difficult things together. We walk through joys together. It's about coming in every week and trying to be more like Christ and learning more about God and wanting to be more like Christ and fellowshipping and encouraging each other. Church is a whole group. Our church is a whole group of people who are in the, in the process of growing in their Christian faith. It's not about people who have their act together. And if you're staying away from church or whatever else, because you don't think you would fit, what you'll find is that it's not about people who fit. It's about people who are, have the same focus, and that focus is trying to grow in Christ. And I want to encourage you because so often so many people try to make this thing about religion. It's not about religion. Religion's going to do nothing for you. But a relationship with Jesus Christ, where he's your Lord and Savior, where he's the one you can turn when there's no place else to turn. I want to encourage you. Make sure you have that kind of relationship. 
If you're trusting a church or a baptism or some piece of paper that somebody gave you or some hope that you have to jump through on a regular basis, you need to understand this. God made salvation so simple. A thief on the cross who had but hours to live, who could never go to church, never jump through a hoop, never give them a dime, never do anything other than put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ could be with him for eternity. He made it that simple. Say how simply, we've got it in the back of the this song sheet on there. But it's as simple as we say ABCs, accept the fact that you're a sinner, that you need a savior. Believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. Christ said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but by me. See, confess and commit your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. You know the verse, John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I want to challenge you because a loving God came to this earth to take your place and my place and pay for your sin. I'm often struck with the idea I have people that say, you know what, I just believe that God's going to be good. He's going to let everybody in. I can't believe the loving God would say no and tell people to depart. Read your Bible. Read the words of Christ. Here's what I would say to you this morning. A loving God allowed you to be born in this country. A loving God every day lets your heart continue to beat. A loving God allows your lungs to fill with air every day. A loving God brought you to a service like this to be able to hear the fact that he came to this earth to die for you. A loving God offers you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to say yes to him. A loving God left heaven, came to this earth, lived here, died a, as a sinless person. He lived here as a sinless person and died to pay for your sin. But you see, when you take your last breath, you also stand before a holy God. And if you think for a moment, that holy God is going to look at you and go, you know what? I, I'm just going to let you in anyway. After you said no to him, for every second you've lived on this planet, after you have taken and thumbed your nose at his offer of eternal life, if you think that holy God is going to look at you and say, you know what, I'll give you a pass. You don't understand the words of Jesus. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father, no one but through me. And I implore you, it is the most important decision you will ever make. It's not about religion. It's about do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. For me, I was 16 years old, sitting in the back of a building in Detroit, Michigan. I'm not going to heaven because I'm a preacher. I'm going to heaven because as a 16-year-old, I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. I challenge you, don't be trusting anything else. The woman at the well reminds us that Jesus wants a relationship with everyone. 
Jesus did not care what people thought. His focus was on someone who wanted to follow him and accept him as she was. Christ will do the same for you if you're willing to say yeah. Believe, trust, follow. Let's pray. Father, there are some here who, they're great people. Lord, they're fun to be around. They are encouraging. Lord, the reality of it is they have never put their faith and trust in you. So God, I ask today that you would work in their heart as only you can. That Lord, they would come to an understanding of their need for you. And as best they know how, Lord, they would ask you into their heart and life today. Lord, for those of us that are Christians, we are followers of Christ. We have put our faith and trust in you. Lord, would you help us to live in such a way that people see Christ in all we say and do. And Lord, we will give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. He says, we ask in your name. Amen. Um, let's stand. There's a little deal in the back of your, uh, in the song sheet there. Um, great as I say. Let's stand, or let's stand as we sing. Amen.